Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Sight Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 45th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. So we are here. It is Friday. I hope you guys are looking forward to a good weekend. It's a holiday weekend here in Japan, which makes things a little bit complicated. Today we are talking to another creator. Yes, if you have been following the podcast on Twitter or just on the internet in general in the Magical Girl space, there has been some news since the last episode dropped, but we are not going to talk about any news today. Instead, we're just going to skip right along to today's chat. So remember, the best way to keep up to date on Magical Girl news is always to follow us on Twitter. But if not, then, you know, just look forward to hearing more about that on Tuesday's episode, which is another big one. (laughs) So let's move on to today's chat. So today's episode for one is one of the last people that I talked to from before the podcast even started. So it's been quite a long time coming. Ogawa Buruku, or Brooke, is an American-based comic artist who studied in Japan and actually went to school there for this trade and has a really, really interesting backstory in terms of her relationship to the world of comic publishing in Japan, which, you know, is in a lot of ways very different from how things are in the West. I think it just comes to a matter of standard, but she will be definitely talking about that better than me. And the comic we're talking about today is Fallen, which she created almost 10 years ago now. And it's definitely a very interesting comic, especially in that it is traditionally illustrated in the Japanese style. So that is always really interesting to see because like looking at it, even just compared to just art of that time, it's very clear she's, you know, a very, very skilled artist and does all the screen tones and everything so it's pretty amazing i could not do that myself and yeah right now the comic is on hiatus but you can go read it online i have a link in the show notes to the website for the comic i did want to mention just off the top because this is a darker series to say the least we did not actually talk about it it had been a while since i had first read the series so I kind of forgot about the first chapter which can be very jarring for people who don't expect it but the first I want to say first chapter two don't remember exactly how much does feature the characters mostly running around just completely naked or wearing hospital gowns (laughs) so that can be of course very jarring if you're not used to that you don't see anything per se you know I would say that Brooke is very much interested in being a tasteful artist in that regard, but uh, (laughs) it's also, it's very different from what we usually highlight on the podcast, so there is that, and I did also want to point out, because I know some people would need a warning for this, that in one of the chapters there is the use of an ableist slur by one of the characters. I did talk to her about it off mic. I think actually before we recorded and she had explained for her that she is not the kind of person that will use that word, but it's definitely in character for the character that uses it. So yeah, 
um, you can do with that as you will, but I just needed to get that out there. One more thing about this episode. So we recorded this over Skype and for some reason I ended up losing my backup audio for this one. So it is not my preferred level of audio quality, but I did my best and I do think that it is generally a really good conversation. So I still think you will enjoy it nonetheless. So with that, let's move on to my chat with Ogawa Buruku about Fallen. Yes, so today we are talking with another magical girl creator. Can you please introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Ogawa Buruku. That's my pen name anyway. She, her. Okay. I'm there. <laughs> mm, great. And so uh, you're here to talk about your webcomic, Fallen. So mm -hmm. um, before we get into the series itself, can you tell us your history with the magical girl genre? Sure. Basically, I'm a child from like you know, the 80s and 90s. So like back then there wasn't a lot of programming that was really for girls that wasn't like super duper sugary. Hmm. I don't know, like it wasn't really meant for tomboys. And I didn't really feel like when I was a little girl, there were a lot of like female characters that I could really look up to. And then uh, about the time I was like 14, so I was like older than most girls who get into magical girls, I guess. I saw Sailor Moon for the first time, and they were the same age that I was at the time. And I thought that was pretty cool that they weren't like the sidekicks or like an additional character to like the main star who was always a guy. They were like actual leaders. And I really was drawn to like Sailor Jupiter, who was like feminine, but also kind of masculine in the sense that, you know, she was very very strong and like she was a bit of a go-getter and then also she was kind of had like a homemaker spirit like she liked to cook clean whatever wanted to like have a flower shop or something right like so she had a lot of like feminine aspects to her as well and I thought that was really cool that she had that nice balance so I think that was my big draw was like Sailor Moon and then after that I found a bunch of other shows that I was really drawn to that were like you know earlier versions of the Sailor Moon genre. Now it's a little bit more back to the whole like sugar sweet glitter force or precure or whatever you want to call it. Like I'm not into that stuff as much, but I'm definitely like a 90s uh, magical girl girl and 80s a little bit where it was just like they twirled a little ribbon or something and transformed into a an older version of themselves and had fun antics that way. I you know, all of that is like it's just like the realm of possibilities for young girls. And I was I was really drawn to that kind of storytelling and those kind of characters. Great. And what were some other shows that you liked at that time? I liked Sailor Moon a lot. And I know it's not technically Magical Girls, but I really liked Magic Knight Ray Earth as well. That counts. I, I, think, I, I think it's like kind of borderline. Like, I think they were girls who used magic but weren't magical girls. But whatever they were, I thought they kind of fell into the same category. But there were, like, darker Magical Girls shows that were really interesting to me, like Shamanic Princess. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think it's a Magical Girls show. I think it hits all the markers, for one. But mm -hmm. you don't see people talk about it much. Yeah. Mamano Hunter Yoko was really 
that was like one of the very first things I ever saw that was anime. And I was just like, what is this? And I think <laughs> she's kind of like a magical girl. Hmm. I mean, I don't think a lot of people like see her as one, but I, I do personally. Shadow Lady was another one that was kind of like an 80s style magical girl, but was in a boy's manga. So she was like a Shonen Jump title. There were a bunch of kind of like, not underground titles, but titles that, you know, weren't super popular, didn't have a long running series or whatever. And I was really into those. And stuff where it had magical girl elements, I also really liked. So like, there's a show called Bakuretsu Hunter, or like Sorcerer Hunters, whichever title you want to prefer, where they weren't magical girls, but they had like a sort of semi-transformation and they became like a whole new person whenever these the two girl characters would transform and I just thought they were so cool <laughs> like mm. that's they're not magical girls but like the the idea that you could have a girl character be like someone completely different by day and then their true self came out and they fought and you know fell in love and all that you know I thought that was just like the coolest so yeah, okay. That's pretty cool. It's very um <laughs> there's some deep cuts there, but I do think a lot of those do count as magical girls. I know yeah, we, we've following. definitely talked about <laughs> some of them before, so mm-hmm. yeah. So getting to your comic, so mm-hmm. what would you say is the basic plot or story of Fallen? So the basic story of Fallen is it's it's basically about identity and like figuring out who you are. So in the story, these girls kind of wake up not knowing who they are at all. And they're told if they become guardians to this Eon, who's basically like a goddess, then they will awaken to their abilities. And thus, because their abilities are tied to their name, they'll know their name. They kind of, some of them more reluctantly than others, some of them more willingly than others, become these magical girls. And like, the magical girl I'm talking about in my series is kind of the walk in that line in its own way as well, sort of in the same vein as some of the other titles that I mentioned. But they receive these powers, they receive a name, and then the question in the story then becomes, okay, but is this really their name? Is this really who they are? And what length will they go to to kind of figure that out? Or if they'll just let it play out and let it become their new life? So it's all about identity and trying to figure out your place in the world. But, you know, with magical girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I definitely see, especially from the way that the uniforms are and stuff, like they have a definite mm-hmm. kind of sense, like you said, uh, definitely towing that line where it's a lot of it is very much fantastical, but you can definitely see the magical girl influence. Yeah, like their their outfits are, they're all cut like slightly differently, but more or less the same. And it's kind of a more feminine version of a originally what would originally have been a masculine uniform, um, like what centurions would wear. And that's just because I used to be like super obsessed with Greek and Roman history and everything. <laughs> but they are magical girls. Technically, if you did the little checklist, they, they do check most of what's on there. But like, they're not the typical magical girls. So they don't wear pink and they don't have like sparkles. <laughs> sure. They bleed a lot. <laughs> yes, I noticed it does get pretty dark sometimes. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> like a realistic Magical Girl series. So like if characters not in a series rated for eight-year-old girls, you know, got these powers and whatever, what would happen? And I figured, eh, they'd probably break their legs sometimes. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did you get started developing the series, getting the idea, and then finally starting to draw the series? I was really pretty tomboyish, I guess. I don't think that term is used so much anymore, but when I was a kid, people would just call me a tomboy. And I actually, my nickname was Tom to like several groups of people uh, when I was much younger. I'm okay with that term. I know it's offensive to other people, but I don't care. It takes a lot to kind of ruffle my feathers. I thought it was an endearing term to a degree too. But anyway, like I didn't see a lot of tomboy characters in shows, any kind of media really, that I really related to. And they never took center stage for sure. It was always the pretty blonde girl, you know? So I kind of wanted a character that was more somebody that I could relate to, be the lead in a genre that I liked. So I wanted a kind of more more masculine female lead who maybe wasn't a dit and was capable, but maybe had other issues that were, you know, her identity or whatever. It was a big part of her problems. And, and I also wanted to include some aspects of myself. So I'm half Iranian. So in my mind, when I draw this character, I give her like darker skin. And I kind of see her as being like kind of Middle Eastern in design. I mean, you know, she's got red hair, but, you know, it's anime style. So <laughs> they've got green hair, pink hair, whatever. But like her skin color is because I was, I'm half Iranian. So I thought that would be kind of neat to see a Middle Eastern main character. Just stuff that I wanted to see but hadn't seen before is what I wanted to do. So that was basically the reason I started doing this. And then it just kind of grew. That's cool. So then is Arma explicitly a Middle Eastern character? Like, I don't want to give anything away, but like, I have everybody's races kind of in mind when I draw them and color them and stuff. And when I came up with the color palette and everything. So she's Middle Eastern, but like, that's not going to be something that is really talked about until much later on, because I don't feel like I'm a good representation of, even though I'm half Iranian, I was raised by white people so I don't feel like I don't know uh, I didn't want to like make race a big issue I just when it was like design I was like you know I'd like to see a darker skinned character in the lead and since you know my birth father was was Iranian so I was like okay that'd be cool if I could have like kind of a darker skinned main character and one of the other characters it'll be later revealed that she's Brazilian another character is going to be Asian Taiwanese Chinese half but yeah yeah I didn't want to I didn't want to make race a big issue and I guess that's a hot topic now I'm sure some of my readers would probably like it if I got more into race but I don't know if that's something I'm going to touch on but yeah like at some point in the story it is going to be revealed what their background is sure sure that makes sense because again like at the start of the story they don't even know their own names much less anything else about themselves but they're going to know okay I'm darker skinned or okay I'm lighter skinned but they're not going to know what that means as far as their ethnic background goes um like I did just introduce a character right before I went on hiatus whose ethnicity is going to play a part of it but we'll we haven't gotten to that yet (laughs) in a few more chapters we will be getting (laughs) to that great around when did you actually start drawing the comic and like starting to put everything together uh I started in 2012 that's Mm. when the first chapter was started and very quickly, I was picked up by an online publisher. So I was churning out chapters pretty quickly initially. 
it's it's been in conception for a long time and I was just always like I don't want to start it until I feel like my ability can match the story that I'm trying to tell so <laughs> I did a bunch of short stories before I started Fallen. Okay and were those also in a similar vein like a magical girl or a fantasy type of story? Uh, I mean, they were all over the place. I tried not to limit myself to any particular genre. I just kind of was like, I'm going to try a little bit of everything. I actually went to manga school. Like, I have a degree in manga. So, like, when I was at school, they were like, okay, make a short story about this. Make a short story about this. Feature a character like this. So we were given assignments all the time for short comic stories. And, like, I did a horror story, I did a silent manga about a dog, I did a story about a female gladiator, so, you know, I just kind of was like, I think the majority of my stories feature female leads, but they're kind of from all genres, because, you know, you don't want to limit yourself to one genre, at least I don't. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You're actually the first guest we've had on that has actually been to school for comics. So could you tell us a bit more about that process? That was uh, in Japan, correct? I went to a comic school in America as well. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design in Georgia for two years. And then I was like, I want to go to Japan. Bye. So then I went to Japan. <laughs> well, this was also like, I'm older. So like, this was 2002 is when I graduated high school. So while I was in my senior year, 9-11 happened. So, like, a lot of things were kind of, I don't want to say disruptive to my career plans, but I definitely rethought a lot of how I wanted to go about things. And I think I decided I I didn't want to stay in America, and I wanted to just kind of, like, leave, you know? <laughs> I wanted to study sequential art, and I didn't really care where I did it, and I liked manga. So I was like, I'll try Japan. It's something different. Let's go for it. So then I went to a, what's called Nippon Design Gakuin was the name of the school, which is in Shibuya. And you could, you could major in manga. And I think I minored in children's illustrated books. But I say think because it's they didn't really, I think there was just one class that I had to take to get that minor. <laughs> I mean, it was a two-year college. So it's a very different experience from like, it's like a vocational school because that's what most Japanese schools that are you know field specific like that I think they're vocational schools you know they don't have the stigma here where if you go to a vocational school people will think oh were you not good enough for college I think a lot of people in Japan go to vocational school if they even seek an education outside of high school so most mangaka who have gone to get a degree specifically in manga have gone to a two-year school maybe I think a few or three but most that I knew of were two-year schools so that was pretty interesting, but I actually don't think it was necessary. Most of my classmates did not pursue manga, and the vast majority of my friends dropped out before the second year ended. So my graduating class had been whittled down significantly. Editors aren't very impressed if you tell them you graduated from an art school or, or a manga school. They don't really care. It's just, can you put forth the effort and can you generate comic pages <laughs> like a machine. And that's all they want to know. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound like it was a very interesting experience either way. It was, yes, interesting is definitely the word. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, you were able to put a lot of the skills that you picked up into Fallen, which, from mm -hmm. what I understand, you draw it all by hand. 
Yeah. While I was living in Japan, all of it was drawn by hand and the screen tone was also cut by hand as well. So it was like, aside from the font, all of that was traditional. Yeah, that's really interesting. It sounds like a lot of work. I can't imagine it. I'm very happy to work digitally when I draw. <laughs> Yeah. Most manga is still drawn by hand, or I, I mean, I don't know about most anymore. I would say probably、mm-hmm. it's still most, but there's a shift for sure. When I was getting into it, I want to say like 85% of manga was still drawn. This is a random number, but like I'm going to make a guess. Published in the monthly and weekly anthologies, this is、mm-hmm. like back 2008 is when I graduated. So, like,、mm-hmm. since 2008, though, there have been a lot of major shifts in the industry. And, like, even old, you know, veterans who have been drawing by hand, like、uh, Obata Tageshi or whatever, who he did、um, Bakuman and、um, Hikari no Go's art, he on Platinum End, I think is the name of the manga, suddenly switched to digital. And it was like the most disappointing thing because he had been one of my all time favorites and had kind of been like, I aspired to be like him. And, and、mm-hmm. that's. It was very disappointing to find out that he'd kind of abandoned the old ways because I think he was just like, I'm just going to do this. It's easier. I'm going to assume that Jump, the publisher, also pushed him a little bit to change. I don't know why, but he、mm. did start doing it digitally. And I thought there was a loss of quality. It's less organic looking. I miss his older stuff, Death Note, everything like that. That was、mm. all, all by hand. And I thought it was just exquisite. So. I think it's a complicated conversation to be sure. Yeah. And I guess there's probably, there's probably a lot of manga artists who are like, I'll never convert, you know, and they'll stick to their way. <laughs> They're a dying breed. Like something I noticed near the end of my time in Japan when I went to an editor, I would show them my work and they would be like, You do this digitally, right? And I was like, No, this is by hand. And they'd be like, What? You know, because I think a lot of new artists don't know how to do it by hand.、Mm. Um, Or、at least, not to the extent you know, that I was doing it. My school didn't even teach digital art, really. They didn't teach you how to do manga pages. They taught you like Photoshop 101, and it was like an outdated Photoshop, if I recall. And <laughs> it was bad. It was like how to cut and paste, like that kind of stuff. Which, if you're going to a school like that, my assumption is you would already know pretty much those super basic skills. But I'm sure nowadays it's totally different. I'm sure if you go to a, a manga school now, they'll be like, we can teach you how to paste screen tone, but we're probably going to teach you more how to do things on the computer. I could understand your, your feelings on it in terms of like, the quality of the art and so on. I do think part of it is also like, the industry has so much pressure on the artist to like, churn out so much work that like, having these things to kind of make things. A little easier in the long run really helps them to not like burn out and stuff like that. You know, well, what would make it easier to do, to, you know, not do have an artist be expected to do 20 pages in a week or、yeah. 40 pages in a week? That would be easier on them too. But that's true. To be sure, they get paid well for it. Like <laughs> beginners are getting 90 bucks a page when it's black and white. So, like the veteran artists and the people with like really successful shows, I don't even know how much they're getting, but I know 90 bucks is, is nowhere close to what they're getting. Like, I've heard somewhere that it's like $300 per page for like some of the really big name artists, but 300 times, well, even just 90, like, you know, 
um, 90 or a hundred dollars times 20 times 25 in just a week, you're, you're making serious bank and you're not spending it cause you're at home all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're busy working on the thing to make the money, but yeah. yeah, it's definitely something that has come up time and time again about like the pressures of comic artists. But yeah, so yeah. you said that you were working with editors in Japan uh, with this mm-hmm. story. Could you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about that? So I was working with editors on other projects as well. But this story was kind of interesting. Like I actually went the indie route because a lot of editors were trying to get me to change the main character and make her more socially acceptable levels of like beauty so like they wanted her to have like a like big boobs and be thinner and paler skinned and lighter hair color and whatever and I wasn't okay with that so I turned down offers when a lot of the offers were like if you could change this we'd like to work with you and I was like no I'm gonna make it on my own screw you and then near the very end of my time in Japan an editor saw my work and he really liked it and he wanted to publish Fallen and we had started working together and he wanted me to do like a short story first just to see how readers would respond to a short story and then if they liked it they do another short story and then if that was good just start publishing Fallen like that was kind of what we had discussed and this was basically like my dream come true and then life just kind of got in the way I had a baby and that kind of you know made things a little bit difficult then I ended up moving out of Japan it's sad it's something that I'm I'm still upset about but I'm also kind of okay with me never because that was a weekly magazine I would have been doing the weekly schedule I don't know if I could have handled that with a kid you know a lot of manga car are still men and in Japan it's still kind of just like assumed that the woman is going to take care of the kid so I don't know how female mangaka typically handle raising children while doing their job. And I didn't have anybody to kind of like show me the way or anything because all the mangaka I knew were, were men and single at that. Like they did not have um, successful family lives <laughs> as mangaka. So for Fallen, we almost got there. And then life just didn't work out that way. And mm. now I'm in America. Yeah, so the comic has been on hiatus since uh, you moved back. So yeah, um, well, it went on it went on hiatus when I had a baby, mm-hmm. and then it finally got off hiatus, and then I got a divorce and had to move oh, back here. I and see. life life just hasn't been you know, it's mm-hmm. just been not great. So I actually have finished the chapter that it's is currently on the website, but mm-hmm. I never got around to posting it because okay. I just yeah <laughs> no that's completely understandable and I'm really sorry <laughs> to hear about all that it's sounds like a lot of things happened at once a lot of things happened at once yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so of course I'm sure you're intending to get back to the story because especially right now it's kind of a weird stuck at is a little bit of like a really big moment in the story yeah so, yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Uh, up until now, the villain has been very much like an unknown, and there's just been kind of like the the underlings of the of the villain, and then now the characters were finally uh, given somebody who was kind of like actually was human as far as they can tell, and isn't just some stupid monster of the week or whatever. 
and the character that I just introduced in the story. She's actually one of my very favorites. <laughs> so I was like counting down until I got to introduce her. And it's just, it's really a bummer that this is kind of where life took a turn for me. But I am planning on getting back to it. I'm probably going to be having another little life-changing event happening soonish. And like, I'll be moving again. But when I move, I'll have a little bit more, I should say a lot more time and a lot more resources again. So I'll be able to prioritize Fallen once that happens. So it might be, unfortunately, another six months because this is probably going to happen near the end of the year or the beginning of next year. But I'm still working. The only thing that's different, though, is Fallen will not be a black and white, right to left, traditional manga style story anymore because I don't live in Japan anymore. And those materials are not cheap. And they are much harder to obtain now. And I just feel like if I'm going to be competing in the American market, I need to get with the program and draw the comic in color, left to right. And then I'm hmm. hoping to kind of take the series to American publishers. It's yeah, tough. I don't mind reading black and white. I love reading black and white. But I notice a lot of really big comics, a lot of platforms that have been have emerged since, you know, I started Fallen. Webtoon, for example, that's really big. And it's not even just America. You're in Japan, right? So, like, I, I don't yeah. know if you've noticed this. There's color manga being sold now. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, full-color printed mm-hmm. comics are now, Tankobon or whatever, they are in color. Some of them are. Like, Jump, I know, has put a lot of money into taking the black and white comics and colorizing them for digital releases. Yeah, I think the fact that, especially with the fact that, like, well, comics are now being made more digitally, like you said, and then mm-hmm. also the fact that people are now often buying these same magazines digitally instead of uh, in physical copies mm-hmm. because these mm-hmm. things are so huge. <laughs> like, yeah, the consumers have changed. I mean, I think people are still buying those big, thick anthologies. I never bought those. I thought those were horrible ways to read manga. Because the print quality is terrible. There's a bunch of stories you don't care about. They are mm-hmm. so big. They're, for people who don't know, they're, they're like the size of, well, I was going to say phone books, but a lot of people don't know what phone books are. Some people they were still know what phone after. books are. Yeah, but they are phone book size. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're cute. Whenever it's trash day, like a very specific day um, in the trash schedule, you'll walk outside early in the morning and you'll just see people have stacks of these books. These um, mm-hmm. anthologies tied with string for the trash collectors to pick up. I mean, with smartphones, it's definitely changed. Like Korea, I think, was the first country to really be like, you guys, smartphones. And that's where, like, because Webtoon is originally a Korean company. I, mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Comico. I'm assuming you are. Yeah. It's, that's Webtoon. That's Naver. It's all Naver. So they were the first to really be like, you guys, we should start making our comics so that people can read them on their phones. And I'm not a big fan of that scroll style because sure. I, I'm old fashioned and I like the idea of timing everything. You know, you turn the page and wow, what's, what's happening? You know, and then you, I can't wait to turn the page. Oh, wow. It's even better. You know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's how I was brought up and that's how I was trained. So I'm probably going to stick with that format, but 
if I go digital, I'll be able to at least rearrange panels so that I can format it to fit Webtoon Media and Tapas. Though they got they just got bought out, so I don't know if, if they're going to change or whatever. But smartphone are the main ways that a lot of people under 25 consume comics these days. And, yeah. you know, if you go to a comic book store, I mean, in America, in Japan, of course, you see all ages. But in America, yeah. you don't see younger people at comic book stores anymore. Like, I just see, like, people my age and a little bit older who are just, like, the collectors or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know if I want to continue working in a dying medium. And it breaks my heart, too, because I legit love black and white. And I legit love working by hand. But you got to sell your soul, I guess, to make a buck these days. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely very complicated. That was the first mm-hmm. thing I wondered about, like, you moving back to the States. is like the materials are not accessible to do the comics the way that you were doing them mm-hmm. before. Yeah. And I knew that, and I I was really just like, is there any way I can make this work? That was actually the main reason I went on hiatus originally, was I was just like, I need to figure this out. And then I just, I never got around to really figuring it out. It just seemed like a very daunting task. So I've been on hiatus as far as Fallen goes, but I've still been doing comic work. It's just, I'm flatting for uh, one of my published friend's comics, Cotton's. Is what it's called it's really good it's a, if you like bunnies i recommend it um okay. yeah <laughs> uh it's that's something that i'm working on with her i'm just a flatter though it's just sort of something to do and then i was asked to do some storyboard work but i don't think that script has been approved yet so i haven't seen anything and you know movies get dropped all the time so i don't know if it's even gonna come to fruition but I've got things that I'm working on. I just don't have things that are like my own thing right now because Fallen is on pause. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I haven't abandoned it. It's just I don't want to start working on it and then not be at a place where I'm fully ready to commit, you know? I'm in a temporary situation right now, and then that should change Mm. by January at least. That makes sense. Yeah, it still hasn't been a year yet since I moved back. I sort of chose the worst time in a century (laughs) (laughs) across the world. (laughs) A lot of people did have to do stuff like that during this time. And it's just like, I mean, it's always difficult to uh, move to another country, but uh, especially now. it's Yeah, and there was a lot of stuff I was kind of expecting. Like I was expecting to get stimulus checks, which I haven't gotten a single stimulus check yet, which has been an issue. Yeah, and they owe me a lot, too. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I haven't been able to do conventions. Uh, I was actually invited to be a guest at a convention, and that convention got canceled. Or got moved, I should say, but I don't think the new time is going to work for me. So it's just, it's like, yeah, I, I want to get back to Fallen, too. But let's let the world calm down and get vaccinated and not be worried about a pandemic anymore. Then once everyone gets their stuff together. <laughs> that's when I'll probably start releasing chapters again. Yeah, yeah. So getting back to the story, so what would you say are the influences for Fallen? Influences? I mean, Sailor Moon is obviously, I mentioned it earlier, is a heavy influence. Mm -hmm. Um, Evangelion was a really big influence for me and for the story. I think Evangelion, you know, obviously not the mecha aspect, but like just the fact that you had these kids who were trying to find their place in the world 
and the world was basically coming to an end. I thought that was really interesting and the way they communicated with each other and they had like real psychological problems and it wasn't just get in the mech and battle and then you go home and eat mochi or whatever and celebrate and have a great time and then wake up and do it again the next day. You know, it wasn't like that. They faced real issues against the angels and then they would go home and they would face different issues and life was complicated. And I thought that was really interesting. So like, it's like a psychoanalysis series that uses a mecha stage. That was something that inspired me to do like a series that really kind of examined you know, what makes you who you are and just set that in a magical girl kind of setting. But other shows that really inspired me, I guess to a degree like Sakura Tyson or Sakura Wars, just the aspect that it was like an all-girl team. I like the idea of the girls working together because again, that was something I didn't really see a whole lot of in America. And if I did, the characters didn't have very different personalities. I can't even, God, I can't even remember the names. I'm like, they just don't stand out to me. But like all the shows that were for girls were just like completely forgettable. I don't know. I, I wanted to see women who were women and kicking butt and but were realistically portrayed and not just all cutesy wootsy, like let's all get our hair and nails done. Yay. Like that kind of girl. Any series that had women on a team with like different personalities and different levels of like femininity versus like masculinity versus uh, something in between or whatever. I was really into that kind of stuff. Hmm, I see. Just thinking in terms of like what you said before about Sailor Moon and in particular Sailor Jupiter, would you say that the main character Arma is kind of inspired by her character? Uh, no. If there was a Sailor Moon character that was any inspiration, it was Sailor Uranus. She really pushed that I had feelings for her that I had not yet experienced in my life. I was like, this is a girl and I'm attracted to them. What's going on? You know, like it was something that really kind of like surprised me because she looked very much like a, like a male character, but she was female and like beautiful as a woman and like a, a gender. I don't know. It just really, it was interesting to me. It was just like, these are the possibilities with like playing around with like, the idea of what is female and what isn't and whatever. And I thought that was really interesting. So I wanted to see a character like her, but pushing that masculine side a little bit more and being front and center. So I would hmm. say she was a much bigger influence. Jupiter was a personal influence. This is the kind of girl I'd like to be. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> Those two characters in particular were very big for a lot of people who watched mm -hmm. that series, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So who would you say is the target audience for Fallen? Um, whenever I was starting it, I definitely said it was for people just like me who maybe grew up watching Magical Girl stuff, maybe weren't necessarily watching the current Magical Girl series that were out, but like had fond memories of shows from when they were younger. And I wanted to kind of like make a show that was like that, but that they could enjoy at their current level of maturity. So it was for former Magical Girl fans, if that makes sense. But I've found a lot of my readers aren't Magical Girl fans. So even though I write it for people who are more like me, where they can kind of enjoy the tropes, but also laugh at some of the tropes, 
realize some of the tropes are kind of silly, recognize them when they're in the series. Because I do use a lot of tropes, like intentionally. For example, like a real easy one is there's a, a talking mouse that's kind of like leading them through the story, like telling them, you need to do this, you need to go here, just because that's so typical of magical girl shows. Um, I felt like it would be weird if I didn't include one and he's a key component in the story. But, and the only male character within the main group, um, and he's a mouse. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Thinking about the people who enjoy the series that aren't necessarily Magical Girl fans, do you have any idea like of what other things that they like or what draws them to this series? I know a lot of them are men, which I wasn't expecting. And I know a lot of them like things like, well, there's a webcomic called Spinneret who is made by, you know, Crazy Girl, who's a friend of mine in real life. But I think Girl Power is another comic that people really like that also read my comic. And those are both older series too. So I think a lot of my readers are like men in their 20s and up. I do have a lot of female readers who are like me, where they like magical girl stuff, but they like the non-cutesy stuff about it. And then I know I have the perverts, and I say that lovingly, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a pervert too. I like drawing boobs. So if guys like read my comic and they're like, oh, they're boobs, that's great. I'm all about it. I, I liked shows like Queen's Blade, which was big like 10 years ago. And that was kind of an etchy series. But like, at the same time, it was just women fighting and they were in a women controlled universe where all the rulers and everybody who held power was a woman. And I just thought, this is great. And yeah, there's boobs. So it was perfect for me. And I think a lot of my readers are also people who like that kind of stuff where it's like women in mm. power, but also celebrates female sexuality because I don't shy away from that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> see that in some of the the character designs and so on. But that's very interesting. Hmm. It makes sense to me. Like, that's definitely a very big subgenre, if you will, of like these like all female series where maybe parts of the character design or something like that or like the target audience is still male focused. It's a very interesting subgenre. But having you draw that, it, it definitely I can see that as well. But it also oh. seems like it's always kind of not necessarily for laughs, but like not taking it very seriously either. Well, I think people have fun with it, but I also like that. I also like that, you know, like in Queen's Blade, for example, because that's, that's my favorite in this, you know, a lot of other series. I would really like them, and then they would push the limit too far, and I'd go, oh, that's kind of squicky. I don't think I'm going to read this anymore. Or, oh, we've introduced really underage girls, and I don't think I'm going to read you anymore. You know, I've, I've had a lot of those instances, and Queen's Blade always walked that line, never somehow quite crossed it with me so you've got characters who have like shoot acid out of their boobs <laughs> like that's I'm sure they were laughing when they wrote that but they take it very seriously within the actual show you know like they have abilities like that and they're like oh oh her acid got me oh I'm my my armor is, is disintegrating what do I do but they're very serious about it and I know you know the writers are like oh this is so cheesy this is great you know I would love to work on something that's just like over the top like that. But there are shows where I feel like women having power is just kind of like a facade. And then re in reality, like it's, it's men having their way with women. Like a lot of older shows, a lot of shows from like the nineties and stuff were kind of like that. 
where they'd have strong women characters, but they'd have to be rescued by a man. I mean, even Sailor Moon was like that. Like there was a, there were a lot of times when Tuxedo Mask came in and threw a rose, and then oh okay, <laughs> they were able to save the day. That's something I didn't like about Sailor Moon. Queen's Blade wasn't like that. There were like never male characters that came in and rescued anybody. And even if it's outlandish, I love that. And I know there are a lot of guys who like to see powerful female characters. So, you know, if they if they find it like a fetish, I don't personally care. I think to each their own, but I'm not I'm not against that kind of series at all. That makes sense. Yeah. Great. So do you have a very wide range of characters of different ages? And mm-hmm. um, you know, they each have their own different uh, powers and so on. What made you decide to have this kind of wide range of characters? Because they're all very um, Yeah, like I think typical magical girl stuff, it's like they're all within the same one or two, maybe three years of each other. And I was like, I get it, magical girls, they have to be girls. But I'd kind of like to see what would happen to characters of all different ages. So specifically, the characters' ages in Fallen are ages that were struggles for me in my personal life. So 13, that's how old Aura is. She's the youngest member. That was um, eighth grade, and eighth grade was like the worst school year for me. So she has problems at school. And 18 and 19, that's Lamia's age and Arma's age, respectively. Arma and Lamia are like just coming out of high school. Maris and Vesta are at the age where you're just coming out of college and you're just kind of like, now what do I do with myself? And then Neva, she's 29. She's the oldest. Like, I just remember 29 being that last year of my 20s. I came up with her age before I got to that point, but I thought 29 was probably a difficult age for women, for anybody, I guess. But like, it was for me. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be 30 next year. I'm basically an old lady now. Oh my God. So... Um, like in the series, Neva says, you guys are all young. You guys are at points in your life where, you know, you can afford to start over, but I'm, I'm like older. I'm, what do I have that I'm giving up? Do I have a family that I don't know about? Do I have children do I, that I don't know about? Like, those are some of the things that she's thinking about while others are just like, did I have a cute boyfriend? Did I go to college? You know, whatever, like their lives hadn't really gotten off the ground yet or at least according to what their ages would suggest. So I wanted to have an older character who is maybe more reluctant to be a magical girl, is only doing it because she feels like that's what she's got to do for the time being, but she doesn't plan on doing it for forever. Her main concern is not protecting the world. It's figuring out who she is and what she's left behind. That's something that I don't, I feel like magical girl shows are very limited to dealing with teenage girl problems or or elementary age girl problems because I guess Cardcaptor Sakura, you know, she's fourth grade or whatever, fifth grade maybe. But, you know, I don't feel like they have a lot of personal problems that are that big a deal. But I wanted to have a series where everyone's age was kind of like those big ages in a girl's life. So where they have to deal with puberty or where they have to deal with um, making it on their own in the world. And I wanted all the characters to kind of showcase those moments in a young person's life. Because I still consider 29 to be young because I'm older now. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But that's very interesting. It's very specific to your experience, but it's also very understandable, I think. Hmm. Definitely, it's very relatable. Like, they're all different ages 
And so you can also understand all their experiences being so different. And Mm -hmm. um, their personalities are also all very different as well. So it's very interesting. Great. So I think... I don't have any other questions in particular I want to ask. I think you've answered everything, but okay. is there anything else you want to talk about or share regarding Fallen? I would plug it and give you like a little advertisement, but since it's on hiatus, uh, follow me on Twitter and you'll know when it's going to be up and running again, I guess, is the only thing I can really say. Yeah, well, if anyone who's, a, I guess, a listener but hasn't checked out the series yet wants to read it, where can they read it? They can go to fallen-comic.com and they can read everything. Every chapter is available to read for free. It is hosted on like Webtoon and Tapas, but if you just go to fallen-comic.com, you can you know get the links to those mirror sites if that's what you where you'd rather read them. I also have just ogawaburuku.com, which is probably still up and running. I haven't touched it in a while. Um, <laughs> And then really right now, the best place to find me, the, the thing that I'm updating the most is Twitter. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of laying low on everything else because I'm very busy. But Twitter, I still I still post up there. I do live stream a lot, actually. Um, I just started doing that again, like last month. So every Wednesday, I'll get on Twitch and I'll do a live stream. Uh, right now, it's mostly commission stuff. But I'll watch a bad movie while I'm drawing and like we'll discuss it so yesterday's movie was b movie as in oh my um, goodness <laughs> it's that movie wow i never yeah heard it i've before. heard about it mm-hmm. yeah and i was really embarrassed because normally i keep drawing and i just kind of like you know look up and go oh, something's happening whatever and i'll i'll finish most of what I'm working need to work on, you know, like the line art or the colors and whatever. But this time the movie was so enthralling. I was so shocked by what I was seeing and so <laughs> confused by what I was seeing. I had to like just put down my my stylus from time to time and just watch, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was really bizarre. Yeah. So that's kind of what I do every Wednesday. I might be doing more streams as I find more time, but you know, I'm a single mom. I ain't got a lot of time. So yeah, as my kid gets a little bit older and you know, she's in daycare now finally, but I didn't get her in daycare until March. That's another reason why there's, there hasn't been a lot of production, but you know, I'm slowly getting back into the swing of things and Mm. Twitch is a good place to find me. Twitter is a better place to find me and my handle on Twitter and Twitch is both Ogawa Buruku. Great, great. Um, And is there any way that people can support your work? Oh, yes. I have a Patreon. The link to that is probably on Twitter, but if it's not, it's on my website. But also, my handle is Ogawa Buruku on that as well, so you can just pop on Patreon and type in Ogawa Buruku, and there I am. Pretty much right now, I'm just focusing on commission work, but I do also mention from time to time the status of Fallen and what's going on there, and what I'm working on that's not Fallen related. I keep everybody updated on that one pretty much in a more lengthy way, because on Twitter you only have you know so many characters. Sure, sure. That makes a lot of sense. I'll make sure to put links to all of these in the show notes so people can just click on over. So that leads us to our final question, which is... Okay. Um, 
if you could be a magical person, what would your persona be like? Oh, dang. I mean, I would be a sexy magical girl for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you mean like my persona, like my ability or, I mean, honestly, honestly, I would just be Arma. Let's just, I would either be Arma or Lamia from my own story. That's, Mm -hmm. that's totally like, it's not a Mary Sue exactly because they're not, you know, perfect characters, but like, you know, I would either want to be super strong and totally cool and look good in a suit, or I'd want to be like super feminine and sexy and have a perfect figure or whatever. I don't know. Either one of them, I'd be perfectly happy being. Otherwise, I guess if I I had to be an established character that's not from my own series, I'd want to basically be Jupiter or Sailor Neptune, and then I would get with Sailor Uranus, and that sounds cool, too. Sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the question is, I mean, it can be interpreted all kinds of ways. It could just also be, you had the chance to become a magical girl yourself, like, what would that be like, you know, because I would be the best magical girl, so, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great, great. I would wear green, green or black, yeah. Not common oh. colors, but good colors for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess like Captain, what was it? Captain uh, Marvel. She wore like green and black initially, and I was like, oh, that, that's a nice color scheme. And then, oh, that's the evil color scheme. Oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like Green Lantern's color scheme. That's what I would do. Not very girly, and but I'm not very girly myself. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. So yes, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for celebrating Magical Girls. Yes, of course. That is why we are here. (laughs) Yes. Great. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Night. Yeah. There's not many many hours left in it, but I'm hoping (laughs) an episode of Loki before I crash. So. Ooh, sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) Not Magical Girls, but still pretty good. I haven't checked it out yet, but I, I will. Oh, probably. Okay. Yeah. So far, so good. <laughs> Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, enjoy enjoy the rest of your day, because I know it's midday there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, And you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime, or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, 
you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash With Ko-fi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical.